ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the student of the game. I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game, here with you right now. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're here, you probably like to talk sport, and we are glad you are here with us tonight to do exactly that. Listen, at this point, people talk about, oh, it's the boring part of the year. There's nothing going on in sports, yada, yada, yada. Yakety schmackety, what have you at the end of the day, ladies and gentlemen, I take the opportunity to start previewing your NFL division by division. This week, of course, we look if you look at the banner below, we are focused on the NFC South. Now, why would I start with this group? One might ask. It's it's a lot of been a lot of changes, right? You got a lot of retirement, a lot of people, you know, Drew Brees, no longer a factor in it. Tom Brady almost looked like he wasn't going to be a factor in the division in question there. But lo and behold, here we have him uh, pulling his best Brett Favre, granted, probably a lot less facial hair. Tom doesn't wear the stubble like that. But I think there's a particular item when it comes to to the NFC South. Now you can claim all day that it was uh, just a matter of the coaching situation with Arians or the whole I'm going to try to be an owner thing in Miami that was alleged and all that. Eh, okay, fine. Maybe that feeling was part of it, all that other happy stuff. But don't tell me a factor in all of this was the rest of the schedule what other things would be happening and you're going to hear me talk about this over the upcoming eight weeks about what the schedule looks like the only other the other quarterbacks in the league not named time tom brady regardless of the fact that they aren't you know that they aren't over 40 have one thing in common nobody takes them generally seriously right now Baker Mayfield just got traded in this division. During the previous season, Baker Mayfield was clearly what the pundits and the like thought was the biggest problem with the Cleveland Browns. Now, as a member of the NFC South, it would appear he's the second best quarterback. Now, some would try to tell you that that's Jameis Winston. I can tell you Buccaneer fans would probably disagree in and of itself right there. Yeah, sure, he had some moments with the Saints filling in, blah, 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 fine. But at the end of the day, this quarterback group, not named Tom Brady, is absolutely weak. We're talking bottom 15 in the league, right? Then we look at the rest of the uh, division beyond that. At least two of them aren't well known for playing defense. The Falcons historically haven't had really a great defense in some time. Yeah, I know they made it to a Super Bowl, but those cats, generally speaking, other than Keith Brooking, not particularly great, well-known guys. Vic Beasley disappeared off the face of the map. The Saints, <laughs> the Saints defensively are better than they've ever been, I could argue, since their Super Bowl. But now Drew Brees is gone. The status of Alvin Kamara. Impossibly suspended. All of that is a thing. But 
we'll have people coming in tonight talking about the NFC South, Antoine Staley, uh, Danny Thompson, and of course, Damian Adams. Uh, Danny Thompson and Damian Adams, both of the three-point conversion, by the way, where you see quality work by me here coming up in the coming NFL season when I do that work um, here very shortly when they start dropping their previews on www.thethreepointconversion.com. So when you look at the NFC South, I mentioned to you the the lack of competition, the top-heavy piece that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the rest, the, there's the rest, the also-rans. The Panthers haven't been a factor since Cam Newton started deteriorating, I should say, since, I should I could argue since Cam Newton's MVP year, they haven't been as relevant. So now you have that going on. But Cal... If you're knocking their schedule, they play the NFC West. Oh, yes, they do. And that will be a tough set of four games. But they also play the AFC South, or excuse me, AFC North. The Bengals going to be a tough out. I'm going to say that off the bat. You know, unless there's major injuries or or Super Bowl slumps in play, that's going to be problematic. The Steelers... Are, start, are going to likely start, well, I'll put it this way. It's Mitchell Trubisky or a rookie out of the ACC not named Trevor Lawrence in the form of Kenny Pickett, who played for a franchise that printed T-shirts when they beat a G5 team in 2018. It was UCF. I covered it. Trust me, it happened. Okay. So there's your top. There's, there's two of the teams right there. The Ravens, I hesitate on them. I'm a Lamar Jackson guy, but let's see if they can get out of training camp without being a mash unit first. And now then there's the Browns also who we have no idea the status of their starting quarterback position, but the chances is that the best case scenario is Jacoby Brissett, who I don't think is terrible, but he's certainly not Deshaun Watson and Baker Mayfield obviously was sent packing to come to this division, which, by the way, I don't know if that was done with a week week, week one rematch in mind, but oh boy. <laughs> so all of that is in place, and it makes you wonder with Brady. Was part of the reason he didn't retire that he got to play in a division where he was top-heavy and his squad was the lead dog again. Interesting concept. What do you mean, Cal? What do you mean the top dog again? You guys do remember that for a large portion of Brady dominating in the AFC East, it was a Bills team that couldn't even didn't know who Josh Allen even was yet. The Dolphins team continuing to be the Dolphins having such key names at quarterback as Cleo Lemon and John Beck. Ooh, I'm intimidated. And then the Jets, other than a short stint where Herm Edwards got involved, being the Jets. It's funny, Chad Pennington did more to get teams in the AFC <laughs> into the playoffs with the Jets and the Dolphins than a lot of other quarterbacks in recent history. And oh, by the way, in the meantime, the Patriots dominating 
that sorry division. And now here we are again, Brady at the quarterback position in Tampa Bay, dominating another sorry division. And I'm not here to say that Brady's bad, but you can't help but think that that path is how you say not is limited. I don't want to say that's the only reason the Bucs will be successful. We'll talk later with Antoine Staley. We'll talk about how they still have a lot of key pieces, some of them gone. But the overall thing is when you when you're trying to predict success, as we in the media are often forced to do, and you fans enjoy, it's fun bar conversation. Are you? Smoke them if you got them, right? But if you're in that position, what are you working with? Or what better situation can you have? I wanted to, you know, me being a guy who who enjoys grilling a lot lately, the, lately, the, the concept I thought of is very similar to cooking a steak. There's a lot of different elements that go into cooking the steak, right? You can get spices. The cut of meat is important, right? The cut of meat, you could argue, is the team. You know, what aspects do you got? How much fat do you have to more uh, caramelize and marbleize and all that other happy stuff? You know, is it bone in? Do you have that extra fancy aspect that a good quarterback could bring to a table? But at the end of the day, the part that isn't talked about enough, in my ever so humble opinion, is the grill, the heat applied to this slice of meat that is the team, a.k.a. the schedule. Sometimes it's going to be a low flame. Other times it's going to be all about massive heat because something caught fire that shouldn't have or something. Sometimes the grill just doesn't work with you that well. But at the end of the day, you still got to try to come up with the product or you're going to get yelled at by Gordon Ramsay. Okay, I don't know what he has to do with American football, but I just like that image. <laughs> so, at the end of the day, there's going to be a whole lot of that sort of situation here with the schedule. Like I said, you're going to hear me talking about it for the next eight weeks, and I'm really convinced. It'd be interesting to see if anybody disagrees with me or thinks I'm off my walker, but I'm really convinced that the schedule is part of the reason Tom Brady came back for retirement. And I don't blame him. That's how important the schedule is to any any NFL franchise going in, and not enough attention is paid to it. Heck, it should be paid more attention to when it comes to fantasy ball. That's a whole other thing. So, anyways, let me go ahead and move into it here, talk a little bit about the Carolina Panthers. Now, you heard me mention at the top that... Baker Mayfield being put into play basically makes him, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in the division now, right? And and Brady, even at age umpteen bazillion. I've had my I've had my statements about how I don't know that he's a necessarily a top a top five quarterback anymore simply because he's not mobile enough, right? And you mostly need to be mobile to play in the NFL. But I'm not even sure that Baker would have enough time to be the starter week one. That's a tall ask. You've missed OTAs, right? 
and you're stepping into a playbook which every 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 what's this word platitude tells you that the playbook playbook for an NFL squad is like looking at learning a completely new language, right? So it's it, it, having Baker come in, missing OTAs, not getting in a camp. It's interesting <clears throat> hearing Baker allege that the first person that one of the first people I should say that reached out to him upon the trade was Sam Darnold. So they could work together to get the team together. Huh? I, I mean, props to Darnold for trying to present, prevent any sort of drama, which no offense to Baker. He, he seems prone and drawn to for whatever reason or surrounding his personality. But that's a good thing to hear. I mean, you know, credit to Darnold for, for being humble enough to do that because, honestly, that helps Baker to get the team together early, right? So it's a situation where Baker Mayfield stepping in could be this eventually down the road, the second-best quarterback in the division. I don't think he's going to start. And if I'm being honest, part of the real reason why I don't think the Panthers should start him off the bat is because of that week one barn burner I told you about. If Baker somehow hits the field with the Panthers, but the Panthers somehow dominate and make that a whole fiasco, beat them by 20 points or however much, I don't know. But it would be... I, I think that could set the tone for a, a, a particularly rough outing overall for the rest of the season. It could set a bad tone, which, I mean, that's the danger that that game is. But enough about me yammering. Let's see. Let's, let me go ahead and put a litmus test to, to my conspiracy theory. Welcome. Welcome in the first official repeat guest to the show. Mr. Antoine Staley. What's going on, partner? I'm doing all right. How are you? Hey, man. Good to have you aboard. So um, let me go ahead and get right into it because I, 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 the NFC South in general, I made the comment that, that Baker Mayfield getting traded to the Panthers suddenly has given them arguably the second best quarterback in the division. Do you think that's accurate? Maybe. I mean, I think if Jameis returns healthy uh this year that i think the case can be made for him with the saints but yeah i mean you know him and james winston definitely uh two or three depending on how you look at it but yeah i mean it, it definitely improves the panthers by a ton i mean last year i mean really the last few years the quarterback situation has been in flux uh they end up trying to bring in sam Darnold, end up going three and oh to start with they really didn't play anybody to be quite honest and the the, uh, the tires just kind of came off the the car there at the end and end up finishing five and 12 to end the year only well, winning two games after that three and old start. So yeah, I definitely think with the defense that the Panthers have and the offensive weapons that they also have, they have a chance to finish second in that division. But uh, I still like the saints too, especially what they have coming back defensively. And uh, if James can continue to limit the interceptions and Alvin Kamara, depending on what happens with him and his situation, because you know, that's also in flux as well. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm talking with, I'll talk with Damian Adams about that a lot later, but that's certainly a huge question mark for them. But he, he, I was about to say, I have this bit of a conspiracy theory, because because and I've seen it happen, too. Like, if you go back, I've made the argument before that Dante, Culpe Dante Culpepper as a Miami Dolphin, part of the reason why his career ended as quickly as it did 
airport because he played the Steelers defense that first week and looked pretty good for two and a half quarters until he got hit a lot. Yeah, with, I mean, go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah, with this week one matchup with the Browns and the, and the Panthers, like this has, this has the potential, if that goes poorly, to kind of just set a horrible tone to kind of hurt the season early on. What do you think of that concept? Yeah, I mean, possibly, yeah. I mean, it, it, you could look at it in a couple of ways. Like, one, like I said, the Panthers got off to a 3 0 start and they still finished 5 and 12 last year. So, but yeah, I definitely think you, anytime you're with any team, you want definitely want to have a great start at the beginning of the year, especially when you have a new quarterback and, you know, your head coach is kind of on the hot seat there, Matt Rule, at least, you know, fans wise. Uh, a lot of people wanted Matt Rule to be fired. Obviously, that wasn't going to happen, especially when you're making the kind of money that he has and the amount, of, the amount of years left on his contract with five years left. So, yeah, I definitely think it's it's vital that they get off to a good start and uh, especially in the division that they play in. And uh, they, it's not the AFC where I think it's really top heavy and it's going to be really difficult to make the playoffs as a wild card. The NFC, I definitely think you have an opportunity, even if Tampa wins the division, to make the playoffs, maybe winning nine or ten games. Yeah, no, and that makes – that makes sense to put it that way. I guess what I'm trying – let me put it this way. What, what, How good a chance does Baker have to start? Because this is a tough ask to have someone come in like at, 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 at such a point in the season, right, where um, – how to put it? Like when they come in – it's July 6th. OTAs are done. Camp is two weeks away, and all of a sudden you're going to get dropped in. You got to learn the playbook during during camp. Meanwhile, Donald is there; he knows it already. Say what you will, the guy's at least familiar, right? Yeah. Do you, I mean me? I don't know that I would even start Baker a because they're playing the Browns, and we know how that press uh, room can go, and how Baker could go in that press room at times. And B, I don't think it's reasonable. I don't think it's a reasonable ask unless he absolutely buries Darnold in camp, which could happen. I don't know. But do you see Baker starting a week one? Yes. Yeah, you don't have a choice. I think at this point, once you make a trade like that, uh, I definitely think, and when you got people's jobs on the line, this t- the Panthers have not made the playoffs since 2017. And they've had just a rotation of quarterbacks, including bringing Cam Newton back. Um, and he hasn't necessarily won a regular season. He hasn't won a regular season game for the Panthers since 2018. I, I think you have to. I think you have to start him at this point. You made the trade for him. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's going to be a quarterback competition. That's what Scott Fritter, the general manager, said today. I mean, of course, you want them. You want Baker Mayfield to win the job, and I, I think as long as he wins the job and it's close, which I think I actually think Baker Mayfield is probably going to run away with it. But if he's healthy, then I don't see any reason why he wouldn't start against the Browns Week One, even if he doesn't necessarily know the playbook. But you can limit that. You can limit to this place that he knows, and a lot of the terminology is kind of interchangeable. It's just a matter of just the play calls and uh, just familiarizing himself with it. What excites you about the defense for the Panthers this year, man? I mean, they they were good last year. I mean, you do lose uh, Hassan Reddick, who ended up going to Philadelphia. I mean, I think that's a little bit of a big loss, but uh, you still have Brian Burns there. Uh, I definitely think, I mean, he's looking for his first double-digit sack season there. Uh, you got Jeremy Chen, who I think is a, a up-and-coming star for the Panthers. You also have uh, Shaq Thompson. I definitely think he's very underrated uh, as a linebacker as well. Um, secondary, 
a little bit of a question. You don't have uh, Stephon Gilmore, who you had to pick it up in the trade last year. Uh, but uh, I definitely think you know, bringing back Dante Jackson and some of the other guys that they have in the secondary, you know, it, it's solid. I definitely think they're, they're – I don't think they're going to be a top 10 defense, but I think they'll be uh, kind of the front of the top 15 defense, if you will, for Carolina. And I think that's kind of you know intriguing there. Yeah, well, and that defense is stuck in a lot of bad, uh, bad, a lot of bad positions too. So, like when you have an offense that struggles like that or is dealing with turnovers, the defense always looks worse than it really is. So, you know, and, uh, I agree with you on Shaq Thompson. By the way, that that was the name that jumped off to. It's like it felt odd that I forgot he was on that roster. You know, but um, let me uh, let me go ahead and and ask you this here: Is there a scenario this year for the Panthers? Where do you, do you see how likely is it that you see? No, I'm just gonna ask it this way. What is the scenario where um, the coaching staff keeps their job for, for for this particular squad? You mentioned the hot seat. Well, I think if they get the maybe eight or nine wins, maybe seven, I think because I mean, Matt Rule is still this is the third year of a seven year contract. Uh, of course, called coaching contracts are guaranteed, and he's making over seven million dollars a year. So I mean, if they end up winning seven, eight, nine games, I definitely think he's going to keep his job because at least they're trending up in the right direction. If they end up winning three or four, uh, I definitely think it could be a scenario where David Tepper could potentially fire. He might bring them back again, too, actually, because, again, you're paying the coach that meant you're going to have to pay the next coach a ton of money, too, or also you're trying to pay Matt Rule as well. So uh, I think I see a scenario where he can he might return no matter what, but I think the best case for him is to uh, continue to, to trend up and end up winning seven, eight, nine games this year. That way he can keep his job no matter if they make the playoffs or not. Never underestimate the power of business, man. See, you just used the Ted DiBiase, Ted DiBiase defense. Everybody's got a price, and apparently there's a price on firing Matt Rule if it goes wrong. Oh, yeah, it's definitely. I mean, it's price for firing anybody if anything goes wrong. I mean, Urban Meyer, I mean, as much as disaster that went last year, he ended up getting, he didn't even make it the entire year. So it's always a price. Uh, the price was the sanity of those of us in that press room, sir. I experienced that firsthand. I'll tell you what. Uh, <laughs> but with all that in mind, um, so let's get to it. I got to tell you, when it comes to what I'm looking at on the schedule here, there's there's a stretch where it does get easy, and I think you know earlier on uh, they can make a good little thing. But I see this team having the potential to like be another in another situation where they're like they'll win three straight games and be in complete trouble for the rest of the year. Um, I say three. I only see two obvious wins on the schedule. One of them being their fellow NFC South Falcons. I, I, I got. I'm sorry, Tuan. I'm low on this team. I got two and fifteen for them. One and five in the division. How do you feel about the uh, the Carolina Panthers finishing up this season? I must have insulted you by my prediction. Not at all. Not at all. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you now. I got you now. Okay, good. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> no, no, I was saying. Uh... You said two and fifteen for the Panthers. I did. I'm not high. I, I listen. I've been wrong before, but it's it's mostly on the strength. That schedule's awful. That's a tough schedule, Tuan Staley. Oh no, I think we lost him again. Um. So yeah, apparently, apparently, uh, apparently, 
he's not buying that. No, I'm kidding. Um, we'll see if we can can get Tuan back here in a bit. But um, yes, when it comes to the division, I, I think they'll get swept by the Bucks and the Saints. But they're going to split with the the Falcons, and of course we'll have Danny Thompson here in about five minutes to talk about that too. But yeah, this this group they're going to struggle mightily, right? I mean, you're expecting them to beat the 49ers, beat the defending champion Rams. That's a tough ask because here we get Twan here. Twan, what's up, buddy? Okay, you hear me now? Oh, I got you. I like no, your no. Verizon guy impression. Right on. No, I was I was saying, uh, you think they're worse than the Falcons? I didn't say worse. You don't know what my Falcons prediction is yet. It's, it can't be like you're not going to have to go 0 and 17. No, I'm not. See, I, I'm not that pessimistic. But let's put it this way: if one team's better or worse than the other, it's going to come down to um, having an easier out somewhere on the schedule. I don't want to give up too much, but what do you have for the Panthers finishing up this year? Uh, seven and ten. Seven and ten. Okay, yeah, so I think seven and ten. Yeah, I I can't see them only winning two games. They have too much talent, I think, especially offensively. Uh, to do if they if that happens, then yeah, somebody's getting fired during the season. Like he like Matt Rule's not going to make it, and or Baker Mayfield got hurt, or something. Something tragic has happened if that if they go two and fifteen. So uh, when it comes to the a- NFC West, who do you see them knocking off there? The NFC. Okay, we see. Having Seahawks, the Seahawks too. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, yeah. You 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 think it, you're probably going to say the Cardinals and the Seahawks is what I'm going to. Yeah, Cardinals, Seahawks, Giants, uh, Falcons. They can, they're going to split with them probably too as well. And then oh. you never know what upsets too. I mean, upsets happen all the time in the NFL. Bad teams beat good teams every single week. So it's no reason to think they can't get two or three more wins on that schedule. Fair enough. I can't argue with that. Let's jump over to the Bucks real quick. You heard me talking. You might have heard me talking a little bit about uh, Brady um, uh, coming back. Obviously, fake retirement, all that other stuff. Um, I have to call it fake retirement. I, I like making that joke. Don't ask me why. But um, do you think the makeup, the rest of this decision, had some impact on his decision to come back? Um, I think it's a few things. I mean, we listen to the rumors, then obviously. Uh, Todd Bowles taking over had a lot to do with that, but yeah, I, I just think that, I mean, I just think he didn't really want to retire in the first place. I think he kind of felt pressured to do so after the, the Rams game, and he felt like, you know, let's run it back for one more year. I thought he would come back one more year anyway, and then try to win another Super Bowl, and they have an opportunity to do that, and I just think that, you know, the, kind of the makeup may have something to do with it, but the Saints, I mean, to be honest with you, they've had Tampa Bay's number at least in the regular season the last few years, so it's not like it's going to be just a total cakewalk there. New Orleans is definitely going to pose. I think they're still going to pose a problem for Tampa Bay, but, yeah, I definitely think um, just having the opportunity to win and get back to the Super Bowl, I definitely think it sights him and, uh, and just the makeup of the team, and I definitely think Tampa Bay is – one of the top two or three teams in the NFC this upcoming year once again. Yeah, no, I can't blame you on that front. Um, you're a baseball guy, Tuan. I can't help but think that Gronk is going to do a very Boston-y thing. 
He's going to pull a Roger Clem Clemens, come out of retirement for the middle of the year and catch passes from Tom Brady. Do you think that's going to happen? I just can't help but think that. He said today he was not, but, you know, I guess, you know, you, the story, I mean, it's a grow, so the door's <laughs> never closed. But I, I will probably say no because I think he, he knows this is probably going to be Tom Brady's last year. I think just – I think everybody kind of knows that, to be honest, which is kind of like – I, I have a feeling this probably will be uh, his last year. I think Gronk knows that he probably, you know, come to terms with, you know, not playing football, and he seems comfortable with that. I think if he was going to come back, I, I don't, I don't think he would do like an interview saying that he. Nobody, if Tom Brady calls me, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna come back. So we'll see. I mean, anything's possible with Gronk, but yeah, I would say probably not. Yeah, you, you don't see G Gene Deckerhoff going, oh, my goodness gracious, although it would sound amazing because Gene Deckerhoff's voice is crazy. But <laughs> Yeah, shout out to him. Like, he's, like, in his last year uh, right. with Tampa Bay this year, too. I mean, it's just I, – it, I hope they do I – hope, I hope they come up with something better than Kyle Trask. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they will. I mean, not that – I mean, I don't know. But Kyle Trask might be – you know, he might be pretty good, too. I mean, I did like him in college, but – I don't know. It's just so much unknown with with somebody like that. Completely fair. Completely fair. That, that's. I mean, to go for it would it would be bad for Kyle Trask. You know what I'm saying? That would be a tough go. But um, you at least I mean, need to bring in competition for him just to see if he can beat him out. I'll just put it that way. Exactly. Um, where do you have the Bucks finishing up? Uh, Twelve and five. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think they win the division and get one of. Well, I think they're probably at least probably the second seed in the NFC. See, you can't call me too pessimistic. I have them at 13 and four. Huh? Okay. Um, I think they actually managed to beat the Saints. I think the uh, defensive front gets in there and annoys Jameis Winston. I think they sweep the division this year, Dwan Staley. Ugh, that's that's a tall order. I, I think they I think they will be they win a game against the Saints. I don't know if they sweep everybody, but I think they. I mean, just like the Dolphins were kind of Tom Brady's kryptonite when he was with the Patriots, I think the Saints are kind of in the same mold, too. I think they're at least going to get a game from them. But, you know, it's going 5-1 and one in the division is a bad day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's a different world where there's no Drew Brees and possibly no Alvin Kamara. But we're going to be talking about that very shortly with, with our next expert here coming up a minute. But real quick, Twan Staley, tell the world where you can be found, my guy. Uh, you find me at Twitter, at Twan Staley. That's really the easiest place to find me. Fair enough, man. Hey, great to hear from you again. Congratulations for being the first repeat guest on the Student of the Game podcast, man. We'll talk to you next time. All right, sounds good. All right, man. Take care, bud. So the next man on the list, I'm not going to worry about starting up the Saints or setting all that up because the man I have on the list will probably do a better job doing it than ever I could hope to. It's not a coincidence they refer to him as The Real Deal. It's also the name of his podcast, The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Let's bring in my guy, D.A. Damian Adams, what's going on, Pond? I've been looking forward to this one, man. Good to have you aboard. I appreciate the intro, man. I've been looking forward to this. Ready to have some real good sports conversation with you, bro. All right. Hey, what's and, and like, right, three-point conversion teammates, man. You know, I, I would come up with something nerdy for that. But to be honest, it's been a long time since I watched Scrubs and I didn't want to do any, you know, Turk and JD, JP silliness here, or JD, I said it right. Anyways, <laughs> enough about me misremembering Scrubs, man. Let me get to it. I'm going to admit it up front. I think Jameis Winston's a nice guy, but it's hard for me to get excited about him. What do you think? I think that a lot of people still have the bad taste in their mouth from the 30-30 season that he had a few years ago. 
Uh, I definitely understand that. It was unprecedented. I don't think probably we're never going to see it again, honestly, with the way that the NFL is moving and how quarterbacks come into the league so advanced. I don't think we're going to see a season that up and down ever again. But I have to remind people that he did go 5-2 and two last year as a starter. Uh, he had, what, 13 touchdowns compared to only three interceptions or 12 touchdowns compared to only three interceptions uh, in those seven games. So we saw an improvement in his decision-making last season in those starts. And I think that's only going to improve going forward. And you got to think about last season, no Michael Thomas. Mm -hmm. You had Callaway as our number one receiver. This year, you have Michael Thomas coming back, Jarvis Landry. Mm -hmm. uh, you have Chris Olave that we drafted. So he's going to have weapons all around to go with his improved decision-making. I can see Jameis having a really good year this year. How much do you think Alvin, that Alvin Kamara situation, like that's going to be a big deal. Like how do you overcome that? I haven't heard anything about it. I don't know if there's going to be something where it's going to take a long time for a punishment to come down. NFL has been taking a lot longer with that. So yeah. it could be something that could spill over into next season, the way they've been doing these things. Uh, and honestly, it's not something that, I think it's going to be something that that's going to be a light punishment for, from what I've heard. Uh, so it could be something we're missing for a game or two. I don't think it's going to be a huge deal for this upcoming season. It's not going to be a huge deal and hopefully won't be a real deal. In the situation. <laughs> but listen, like as competitive as the playoffs can get, they might need that game or two. That's the only thing I'm really worried about with it. You know what I mean? And of course, to your point, the way the punishments and all that has come down, the NFL, I mean, you say it's taking a longer time. They ain't never actually ever been quick about it. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, no, it's definitely a factor there. But, like, let's say he does miss a couple games. Um, you know, I'm with you. I don't think they'll they'll, they'll drop a six-game or anything on them like that, too. But, like, eh, I mean, how do you work around that? Like, I'm not here to say that he's not a good runner, but he's an excellent part to make your passing game completely comfortable. And I think it's going to – if Jameis sees success, he's going to be a big part of that, right? Oh, for sure. Alvin Kamara is a huge part of the offense. Uh, he was the whole offense last season. Uh, but that's a, but that's a good thing now that we have these other weapons where he won't be the entire offense. So if he does miss a game or two, we'll have other weapons to supplement his offense, right? And we still have Mark Ingram there who can play his role not as well at this stage of his career, but can still play that role, can come out the backfield, really good screen catcher and screen runner. Uh, so that's somebody who could run those plays for you. And like I said, with those other weapons coming in, it won't be as big as a blow as it was last year. Last year, when he missed those games in the middle of the season, we were done. We had nothing else to go to. We were, our, our offense was held together with, you know, duct tape and glue last season when he was out. Uh, so this season should be a lot better in those circumstances for sure. Yeah, so I'm glad I'm glad uh, management has come around and understood that Taysom Hill isn't the answer. That, yeah. <laughs> in my mind, what do they say? Addition by subtraction, right, bro? So oh, for sure, he's he's not a quarterback. He's a great athlete. So I'm going. I'm actually excited to see how he's used this year as a tight end. I'm pretty sure he's going to have some gimmick plays where he does play quarterback, and maybe he'll come in and do like a reverse, you know, throw or something like that, or he'll, you know, have a play where he's designed where he looks like he's going to throw. Next thing you know, he runs. So they'll have some of those plays in there. But his primary job will be to be a tight end, helping a blocking, and then when you do give him the ball, we know that four four speed and the big runner that he is as far as being physical is still there. So I think that will be. His best, honestly, is going to be his best year, his most productive year as a tight end with us. I mean, hey, listen, we make jokes, but I'm not ever going to argue that he's a good athlete. But let, yeah. let me let me get into you what, here what what I think might be the hot take, but maybe I'm right. I got the real deal. 
to tell me whether I'm right or not, or if I'm completely, and listen, I've been called worse things than crazy. It's okay. (laughs) But with Jameis coming in and granted taking nothing from Michael Thomas, taking nothing from Alvin Kamara. I love the Landry acquisition. Um, I had almost forgotten about it and I prepped for the show. I'm like, Oh snap, they got him. Um, But I feel this day and age, you can make the argument that the saints, the Joe state, I used to make a joke about the Saints. I would call them the prom date team. They know how to score, but they can't stop anyone from doing it, okay? However, (laughs) this defense now, I could argue, is better than, or I shouldn't say better, but as good as anything they've done since the Super Bowl year. Will you sign off on that? Yeah, the last few years, the defense has been awesome. Our now head coach uh, was the defensive coordinator who turned it around, and he did a great job. Dennis Allen did an awesome job with this defense, and his defense is still set to be very, very good. The defense, honestly, the last few Drew Brees years, our defense was the reason that we were able to be successful. Uh, Drew Brees, you know, as great as he was those last few years, he couldn't get the ball really down the field, so the offense was more methodical. So you needed the defense to get stops because you weren't going to score 35, 40 points a game back in his heyday like he was in those times so our defense has been awesome and that's one of the reasons i'm excited about this year is that the defense will still be very very good is Lattimore the most underrated cornerback in the league oh i don't know if he's the most underrated i think people are coming around on how good he is uh he's definitely a very very good corner uh someone who matches up with the best of them uh he gives mike evans all the issues when we play against Tampa bay uh, he he's definitely very very good and i want people to watch out for paulson adebo he was our rookie last year, our second corner. He's very, very good as well, and he showed brilliance at the end of last season. So I think those two together, along with Tyron Matthew and Marcus May, our secondary is very, very good. So I'm that defense is going to be nice. It's going to be really, really nice. I don't know if you saw, but I wrote it down because I had to. Because, one, you gave me the advice, and, two, I mean, how New Orleans a name is that? Somebody <laughs> named you know, you should play in New Orleans. That is a Cajun-sounding name, and I love every minute of it. That's up there with, it like, does. Whitney Mustless as a, as a name for a defensive player. Unfortunately, his team isn't as good right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, man. Uh, it's, uh, uh, Ladebo. Okay. That's what you got me taking. I'm, it, it's the student of the game. I'm supposed to learn things, Damian Adams. <laughs> Anyways, man. Um, so, and, and uh, you know, we haven't even talked about the pass rush and, and you know, Cam doing all that. Cam Jordan doing all that. I can't say Cam in this division, but uh, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, man. No, I, it, it, I'll tell you. You gave me a little bit more light than I had with the Saints, but this as schedules go, you've had Tom Brady's number the past couple of years, right? Yeah. You you you've got a group where I was talking with um with Antoine Staley earlier. It's possible Jameis Winston's the second best quarterback in the division. You know, we don't I, I know. Like yeah. I mean, this is a favorable favorable schedule. Do you think this is enough to make you playoff competitive? Oh, for sure. Like people are forgetting that we missed the playoffs last year by one game. If the final game of the regular season, if the 49ers, uh, if the Rams, excuse me, hold on to that lead against the 49ers in that final game, it's the Saints that made the playoffs and not the 49ers. Think about how different it would be. The 49ers don't get to the conference finals. You don't have that crazy game where you have Stafford throwing that what should have been an interception to Taft and Taft just dropping it right there. You don't even have none of that happen if they hold on to a lead in the final game of the season, the Saints make the playoffs last year. So I think we're better than we were last year. So I can see we went nine and eight. I could definitely see us going 
11 and six or even 12 and five like this upcoming season with the improvements and also just being healthy, right? You miss Jameis Winston for the, you know, the second half of the year. Alvin Kamara missed five games in the middle of the season. So we have a healthier year. I definitely can see us balling out for sure. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I see them playoff competitive. I have them at nine games, which could be enough. I'm a little skeptical, like you mentioned about Jameis, like especially if you're playing a defensive front like the Bucks, he's got to show me he can do it. Granted, listen, as a fat man in the room, you see the painting back there that, that <laughs> off of a picture of me playing football. Right. I, I can I can respect that he has protection. I'm not here to say he's going to go Sam Darnold and see ghosts, but I have my concerns. But I have them at at um, nine and eight myself. But listen, I think you're in a situation, though, with some of these games that like I could be one or one upset away, you know, there like that. I'm looking for that Raiders game to really because I didn't know which side to go with that. But if the Saints win that game, they're a 10 win team. That's basically what I have on my notes here. Right. You know, okay. so yeah, I, and I'm not mad at, at all. Like I can definitely see where you're coming from with that and the concern. That is the biggest concern. The one spot that on the roster that we're concerned about is left tackle, right? We lost Teron Armstead and we brought in a, a rookie, Trevor Penning. Uh, right now they have listed as a starter at left tackle. Of course, nothing's happened yet, but they have James Hurst listed as the starter. He been a, he's been a solid backup for us, a guy who can play in different spots on the offensive line, but losing Teron Armstead definitely was huge, right? Now, if Trevor Penning can come in and be okay, doesn't have to be great, doesn't have to be an all-pro, just don't be trash. If you can come in and be okay <laughs> at left tackle, we'll be fine because the rest of the offensive line is awesome, right? The, the offensive line has been there for a while. They have good cohesion. They know how to work together, especially with Eric McCoy at center. They know how to work around each other. So I think the offensive line is going to be fine. Just left tackle. We'll find out in the preseason if Penning is ready. Are we going to go with Hurst? But I think that's the one concern. So I definitely hear you on that. Man, listen, hey, that you know, setting that bar high, don't be trash. That <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. Just don't be trash. Just be okay. It will be all right. Well, and you set me up with this too. See, that's the problem being the student of the game. You, you, got, my, you got my brain percolating on this one. <laughs> You mentioned you mentioned to the left tackle situation. If Drew's still there with his stone feet, forget it. Well, yeah. it's not so much that he was a horrible athlete; he was just getting old. Yeah. Jameis move a little bit. Do you think that'll balance that out? Yeah, he's definitely uh, somebody who surprised me last year. In those first seven games, he definitely had a lot of runs that were important runs to keep drives going. Uh, he's somebody who got the pocket. It's not his his you know his forte. He doesn't want to do it, um, but he can get out the pocket when need be. Uh, coming off the ACL, I don't know if it's going to be the same, if he's going to be hesitant mm -hmm. to do that. Uh, but he definitely has the ability to go out there and get you some runs, gain some first downs, keep some drives going. So if the left tackle does struggle a little bit, he is mobile enough to move in those situations and improved in his pocket presence where he can move up in the pocket, move side to side, extend time for our to get open. So I think Jameis is going to be okay. Okay. Well, and, and you know, I, I can appreciate the optimism. Like I said, I've been wrong before. More than happy to admit it on this show. I'll even invite you on the mock me if that makes you feel bad. I'm kidding. <laughs> the, you know, and I, and I mentioned the mobile thing, like, you know, something I'll say out there too is like all the top quarterbacks, um, certainly in the top 10, not named Tom Brady are mobile now. Yeah. 
I, I can't help but notice that. That's a, that's a thing. Like I've I've even made the argument that Brady couldn't wouldn't even been been drafted in this generation. But yeah, no, nah, that's true. Like when you look at those initial combine videos and photos of him from 2000. I don't know if that version of Tom Brady gets drafted today. So that's no, nah, that's a fair statement for sure. Yo, here's the homework I'll give you. This being the student of the game, right? Go yeah. listen. If you can find it somewhere on YouTube or online or something, go listen to the Beatles demo tape. Okay. okay. And step out of yourself and think of it as if it's just some band. You don't know who the Beatles are. It sucks. <laughs> okay? You see that Tom Brady photo? You don't think they're going worldwide. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. They're not going platinum. <laughs> Tom Brady's combine photo is not going platinum, Damien Adams. That's my point. Now, nah, that's a great comparison. That's a great comparison. There's a lot of artists now who are huge or have been huge in the past. And you get to that demo tape or that first album even. Uh, some of them, you're like, oh, man, this, this guy or this girl turned into this from that. Uh, so you definitely uh, make a good comparison there. And like you said, Tom Brady being what he was at that time, I don't know if he gets drafted today. I don't know if he has the same career if he starts today compared to 2000. So that's a great point. Hey, man, listen, thanks for coming in for this preview segment. Thanks for hitting out the park, man, because I got to tell you what, we got to have to do a little bit of long form somewhere in the future yeah. here because, you know, we're dancing a little bit. I like it. Of course, man. Oh, listen, for sure, man. My guy, Damian Adams, the real deal with, I mean, look at the Twitter handle. It's right there. <laughs> Anyways, check out that show. Check out the 33 podcast where you're still working with my man, Jason Fairman, right? Yes, sir. Every Wednesday night on Facebook Live, 33 podcast. I do along with Jason Fairman and Nikki Jess. Great yes. football podcast. Uh, please check it out. And, of course, my teammate now with. The three-point conversion as well. Got to get that plug yeah. in there from Boss. You know this. Anyway, oh, always. The best sports media company in the world. That's right. Hey, man, <laughs> thanks for coming in. Um, You had a basketball take I was going to touch on. We'll just do that off air. That's fine because you made the Draymond Green thing and you got my mind bacon and it's cool. But what, <laughs> listen, let's leave the audience have their palates wet for the next time because <laughs> there will be a next time, man. All right? Oh, for sure. Just let me know when, man. I'm ready. Copy that. Damian Adams, everybody. And listen. We're going from heavyweight to heavyweight tonight. I don't know how you can get a heavyweight out of this team, the Atlanta Falcons, but I found a way. My, my former co-host and current fantastic human being, he's making his rounds. He's recovered from COVID, thank goodness. And we're going to have him in right now. My man, my friend, my family, Danny Thompson. What's going on, partner? Bro. Man, I'm sorry that you know I couldn't make the last week's show. I'm a lot better now. It's time to talk about the you know the dirty birds. It's, how, it's bird time. Hey, listen. Uh, first of all, I'm glad to hear that the birds are dirtier than your viral count now. That's a fantastic thing, and <laughs> it's good to see the smoke detector back in the building. That's no, this is actually there's no there's no beeping. There's no beeping time. I, I you know well you know he he signed that big contract. You know that that recording deal. So now he's worldwide. He's too big for the apartment now. He took Matt Ryan's contract, basically. Oh, <laughs> oh, keeping it relevant. No, hey, I appreciate Matt Ryan's contract. It might actually keep him having a winning career record. <clears throat> anyway, Hall of Fame. Man, so listen, let's get into it. Um, I'm not saying this to trash your team as we joke around with, but I have to ask the question. Marcus Mariota, huh? Listen, at some point, the, the, the rebuild had to happen. You know, it was, you know, this was something that's been really a plague of the Falcons for a while. 
Um, you know, Matt Ryan the last two years, Matt Ryan still, to me, arguably the greatest player in Atlanta Falcons history. I don't, I don't you know, we, we have Hall of Famers. We've had a couple of Hall of Famers. Not, I remember. We've had a few of them. But Ryan's been there from day one. I mean, do a touchdown pass in his first pass, you know, as a Falcon in preseason. And he's been Mr. Falcon ever since. You know, good, bad, 28-3 blown lead through all of it. <laughs> he's been MVP, you know, punching bag, you know, team not holding defense in four quarters. Ryan's been there through all of it. And the problem was Matt's 30, I think 37, and he's getting really long in the tooth. And when you're long in the tooth, sometimes your skills slide. But just like when you sign big contracts in your early part of your mid part of your 30s that go into your late 30s, the numbers don't match. The numbers don't match the production. And we saw in the last season, there was some plays where Matt Ryan, uh, especially in the Chargers game last year, where he couldn't hit the out route. It was the interception in the fourth quarter. If this was three years ago, Matt Ryan's hitting that pass. And I think Russell Gage is going down the sideline. And, you know, you have Matt Ryan with a large number. And the Falcons couldn't continue with it. And Marcus Mariota was really the only option at this point. He knows Arthur Smith's offense. He was with him in Tennessee. Um, I think Marcus Mariota is the bridge quarterback. Um, I don't think this is Mariota's team unless he goes full. And Kyle, you were there. Full Blake Bortles. (laughs) <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars, AFC Championship run. I think that's really that's, that's really Blake Bort. That's really the ceiling for Mariota. He's just there to the stopgap, whether it be for Desmond Ritter or if the Desmond Ritter doesn't work. There are five to six first round quarterbacks in the twenty twenty three drive class. So somebody's seat's going to be more. I don't think Mariota's is more more of a, a a backup for now. Yeah, well, I mean, his number. Uh, Salary wise, isn't going to be uh, super considering that he's kind of a uh, you know a comeback scenario there too. I do appreciate that they they that they forwent drafting a quarterback in the first round. I, I think that's smart. Um, you know they recognize that whatever they got and 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 this is no diss to Kenny Pickett or Malik Willis, but asking anybody of that, asking Andrew Luck of that to try to come in this year to do stuff for the Falcons would have been terrible. And you know I I think we both had lengthy conversations about the history of bad protection in that in that situation as well Mariota in the past at least was at least semi-mobile enough to get himself out of trouble hopefully he's still that athletic but yeah uh, I, I think with, with, with good I think a second year under Arthur Smith the offensive line would be a lot better I mean, they brought back Jake Matthews they made a couple of additions on the offensive line um you know you know it's kind of like the it's kind of bust your moon and sink the best part about it is when you're on the bottom there's no way to go but up Atlanta's offensive line for years has not been good. The reason why Matt Ryan couldn't stay protected is because outside Jake Matthews, who's barely on the, who's barely on the field half the time because of injuries, he was getting beat around. Why Matt Ryan isn't Matt Ryan is because Matt Ryan was beaten like a pinata for years. And as much as Falcon fans want to blame Matt Ryan, the offensive line wasn't very good. You can see with the running game, it wasn't good. You know, because Cordell Patterson's like, you know, he's been like a Russian tank. That's why he survived last season because Mike Davis could barely get the ball three yards down the field before he's hit by 10 defenders. So, you know, at some point it was going to happen. Um, Lions get improving. And Arthur Smith is, you know, Kyle, he's like you. He's, 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 a, he's a hog ball. He's an offensive line guy. He's a line man. He's a line man. So he coaches the trenches. You know, that's your specialty. And, you know, you can't win football games without good trench play. And I think the Falcons are going to be better at it. 
at some point you're going to it you can't get any worse than where it has been so i think the offense line will improve and i think they've made some moves in the offseason to improve that side of the ball yeah, no, I, I, they definitely have like you know Pitts is still doing his thing. Maybe, maybe whether he's been lived up to the hype or not is a whole other question. But he's clearly a fantastic athlete that can make plays. You know, I, the the makeup of their offense outside, like near the has, hashes and in the wider part of the backfield, referring to the running backs, I don't dislike it. It's just all of the interior part, you know, including the guy that's taking the snaps. It's clearly the question, but. Long conversations we've off we've also had about the Falcons defense. Is there anything to get excited about them? Well, I mean, for you know, we look at the losses. Foy Okoye was was the really the worst one, the hardest one. To we went to Jacksonville. Um, he got the money, he got paid to Jacksonville. But Troy Anderson, I think the rookie, uh, I think for Montana, is going to probably get a lot of the snaps on the outs on the inside, inside linebacker. But Arnold Ibakite, who they took in the second round. Um, from Penn State, was one of the better pass rushers in college football. Um, he's definitely going to take Dante Fowler's spot, and I mean, it's not much. It's not much to, to uh, write home about, but I think he'll exceed Dante Fowler's expectations. Um, the Falcons have what the, what the really part was. The secondary has been decent, but because there's no pressure, it allows the quarterbacks to pick apart the Falcons' secondary. Right. If you want to look at the strength of the Falcons secondary, the Falcons defense is the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, they added Casey Hayward in the offseason. Um, if he's healthy, you remember Casey Hayward was one of the better corners in the NFL before he kept you know started getting injury prone. And AJ Terrell is about to be a one hundred million dollar cornerback. Like he's the next one in the one hundred million dollar Denzel Ward, um, you know, Jalen Ramsey number. He's gonna get it from the Falcons. Um, so you have those two guys, but if uh, Ibakite um, I want to say Eddie Jackson. They just brought in from the Bears on the defensive defensive tackle with Grady Jarrett. Um, if they can start getting pressure, and then if they can find somebody who can just sack the quarterback, the Falcons have been just awful. The last time the Falcons had a guy who could do it was Vic Beasley, and the year he really went off, what happened? The Atlantic got to what the Super Bowl, and he disappeared after that. That's the damn crime, right? Well, that that's been every Falcons pass rusher over the years outside Chuck Smith. Ever since Chuck Smith has been has not been a Falcon, the Falcons can't keep consistent pass rushers. They haven't had a consistent pass rusher in years. Abraham was one of my favorite guys, but Abraham was for as good as he was, he just was he he was either on the field or he was off the field. It was like almost a 50-50 chance. But when John was on, John oh, was a monster. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. John was hurt. John was beat up. Mm-hmm. Um, big shout out to John Abraham. But yeah, you know oh, Chuck God. Smith. Chuck Smith was a guy. When I say Chuck Smith, because Chuck Smith stayed healthy. Yeah. So. That, I mean, that's the thing. I think Atlanta's pass rush is going to be the key, like they've been for years, to keep the secondary from not getting burned consistently. No, I can't front on that. And listen, I'm going to tell you up front, you're going to get mad at me, but I'm going to deal with it. Tell me what your record prediction is, because I can guarantee you mine's worse than yours. Listen, I think, you know, as a, as a real Falcons fan, you're going to say, oh, my team, oh, we're 17-0. Let's be realistic here. Let's, 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 we're playing the realistic game here. I think schedule's rough. The schedule's rough. I think the the ceiling or the ceiling is the roof, as Michael Jordan say. I think the ceiling is no more than seven wins. This is not seven win team at the at its peak. I think if we hit all of the barriers, you know, we hit every single thing possible. I mean, Kyle Pitts catching 13, 1400 yards receiving. Um, Drake London looks like a thousand yard receiver. I, the, the, the pickup of Damian Williams from Kansas City, I really enjoy it running back. 
That's um, true. He's going to split the carries with Cordell Patterson. Um, I think he'll do a lot better than Mike Davis, who was just awful his return back home to Atlanta. Um, I think I think the ceiling is seven wins. I think the floor is four wins. So if I say a realistic number, I would say six. I would say six and eleven, um, realistically. But if this team won four games, I wouldn't be surprised. There's this. They're still in rebuild mode, and you still have to have a top flight quarterback in order to win in this league. And the Falcons don't have that. Unless Desmond Ritter goes full use, uh, Cincinnati last two years and and, and and getting wins, but no offense to Desmond Ritter, it's different. This is not the AAC. This is not playing Army. You're not playing Navy. You're not playing Tulsa. You're playing, you know, Carolina, who's got a great pass rusher, Brian Burns. You're playing the Saints. Um, you know, I he, I think my, my skin's burning. You're playing the Saints who have guys on all three levels that make plays. Lattimore in the secondary. Cam Jordan, who loves dealing rookie quarterbacks. And guess what? The Buccaneers are the Buccaneers. They still have all that talent on defense. Yep. And you're playing them six times. So in the rest of the schedule, they got to go to Baltimore. Um, they got to play Denver. Um, Aaron Donald is on the schedule. Aaron Donald's on the schedule. Why you still got to play. You still, you still got to play Pittsburgh with Jake with Jay, with Watts. What? You know, you still have games with Cincinnati, who just made the Super Bowl. You have Cleveland, Miles Garrett. You're, Desmond Ritter is going if he gets in that quarterback in the hole, he is going to be literally looking at murder's row of sack leaders and guys that could be in double digit sacks all season. Yeah, here's the reason why I'm even more pessimistic than you. I have three wins. Let me tell you that. You need three things to really get off the ground as a football team. You need the quarterback. You need to protect that guy. You need to get to the other team's quarterback. And then everything else is what makes it a Super Bowl champion or not, right? Here's the thing. We talk about injury proneness. Everyone seems to forget that Mariota had issues finishing seasons. He's going to miss time. That group is going to let that happen. No offense. I'm sorry. That's just the nature of the beast. We talk about all these defenses. The Who is the weakest defense they face in division? I don't know. Carolina? Maybe Washington. That's still Chase Young. That's not in the division, but yeah. And that's still rough, though. Like, I, I mean, I, I might argue the Browns might be a little. I don't know. You, you mentioned Miles Garrett. It's a tough go. I mean, the Seahawks at this point might be the weakest defense they face, honestly. Which is a heck of a note. Step your game up, Pete Carroll. But yeah, I, I, and I think the Seahawks might be one of the wins now that I mentioned it. You know, so I have them at three wins. I I I I, I had I had two on the sheet, but I put one up higher because that just felt wrong. I can't see the Falcons being the worst team in football. I I, I don't think they're the worst team in football. No, close. I don't know. I don't know if we're. Don't worry, I think we're, Panthers lower. It's okay. I think Atlanta's in that 25 to 27 range uh, out of the 32. Um, I still think the Giants are worse. I still think Houston is worse. Um, I still think Jacksonville still has a lot of of, 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 of great area they've got to get fixed. Um, and, you know, there's always going to be one team that's just going to slide through. I don't think – I honestly don't think – I don't believe in Chicago because they've given Justin Fields no nothing to throw to. I think he's one of the wins too. Yeah, I think Seattle is not going to be good because they still didn't address the quarterback. And Geno Smith is your guy going from day one. Um, and you're going to split with the Cats. 
I, I mean, I, I, really, I think I think Seattle's one way. I think they, I think Atlanta goes and beats Washington in November because that's right about that's, that's right about the time Carson Wentz goes completely left because he goes left in late November, early December. We're waiting for it, so he's going to go left. Then I think they split with Carolina. I actually think they're going to split with the Saints. One thing with Atlanta is that Atlanta always plays their best football against the Saints. Does that to each other? It's the rivalry games. I think the rivalry games, I think Carolina will and New Orleans will split a game with both of those. I think Tampa beats the brakes off of them in both games. I think that's pretty well apparent. I think Atlanta might get one win against the AFC North this year. Um, I think they play the Browns in Deshaun Watson's suspension territory. I think that game is during Deshaun Watson's potential suspension within the first six weeks, I think it is. That's why I said six is an option. I think they'll, they'll end up winning some other game um, because it's just the NFL. You know, anytime you say it's a guaranteed loss, more likely they're going to get one. Also, um, you know the, fou- the fraud cons are going to fraud con and lose a game that they shouldn't. Well, here's the thing. But for, for those games they lose, we're supposed to lose those games any damn way. So it's not like we're, you know, it's like we're <laughs> – I mean, they said realistically. I, I mean, if I see five or I see six, it's realistic. Like, I mean, if I see four, I wouldn't be surprised. But I think this team wins no more than seven, and that seven's being a real homer. Like you mentioned before, Mariota's not going to last. The real question is if it, it could be seven if Desmond Ritter looks like everything that he was in college. But there's a reason why Ritter was a third round pick. I like Ritter. I don't think he's an NFL starter. I like him as a human. He's a good athlete. I've watched this kid play. We both have. I'm not impressed. I, here's the thing. I was still. I mean, I knew Malik Willis was too raw for uh, you know for for Arthur for uh, Art, Art Smith at this point. Um, Pickett was already gone, um, and Atlanta did not. We could not have taken that first round pick and spend it on on a quarterback. There was no way they were going to do that. You know, it, it just wouldn't have made physical sense. Atlanta still need help at receiver. Calvin Ridley's gone. Russell Gage is in Tampa. So Drake London was the guy. But I did like some of the resignings of uh, Brian Edwards, Audrey Tate, and, and Kyle Pitts. Atlanta has the biggest receiving core in the league, like height and size-wise. I mean, all you got to do with those guys, it's a basketball team at wide receiver. They have a starting, they have four guys that are over 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, so worst case scenario, Mariota, Ritter, um, Chris Chandler, um, Steve DeBerg, whoever Atlanta wants to throw a quarterback. <laughs> you threw out the immortal Chris Chandler, who was the first guy to play for a huge long time in the modern. Listen, I also thought about throwing back of Steve DeBerg. So you, you beat me before you threw the DeBerg card. Like even Dolphin fans are like, Ew, you know. So I mean, all you got to do is throw the ball up, and those guys can go get it. I guess like I, I think Atlanta's main thing is if Atlanta can find a running game. If they can establish a run, Damian Williams can stay healthy. Cordell Patterson can be a weapon all over the field like he was last year. And if I say this, it's seven wins if Cordell Patterson gets, gets, I think, 1,700 combined yards. Receiving, rushing, um, returns. If he gets over 17, 1,800 yards combined, the Falcons win seven games. Because Patterson won three games by himself last year. So... And the good thing is Atlanta doesn't have to go to London this year. So we actually get eight full home games this year, nine full home games this year. Woo! <laughs> we got to think, Kyle, last year the Falcons were the only team not to have eight home games. Mm-hmm. Every team had eight or nine home games but the Atlanta Falcons, who technically gave one of their games away to London, the Jets game. 
So Atlanta only had seven games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The Jets in England, you got Yeah, that. I know. But the thing is, it's we, we lost a legitimate home game. Mm-hmm. So we lost a game at Mercedes. So I think Atlanta can, I say, like I said, if it's seven, I would be completely shocked. But if it's four, I wouldn't be. So I, but I said six is the number. You did say six. I uh, If you came back with five, I would have avoided calling you a homer. But no, six is home. Okay. No, I don't know, but it's going to be an interesting year in Atlanta. Um, they brought back Young Way Koo. I mean, they've made some downgrades. We lost our starting punter. Um, you know, we replaced that. We lost, like I said, we lost a corner on defense. But I do think if Casey Hayward stays healthy, he changes the game because at that point, you have Hayward at one side, you have Terrell the other side. That means you, t- you take down the two best receivers on both teams. You're forcing the quarterback who's going to have time to throw to try to find other options. Now, Casey Hayward's injury-prone or he still has those lapses where he gets burned, they're not going to pick on A.J. Terrell. They're going to go after Casey Hayward, and they're going to make sure that Hayward's knees and legs and stuff are fine. But like I said, it's, it's, a, realist, it's a realistic number, and like I said, we're better than Seattle. We're better than the Bears. We're better than the Lions. We're better than the Giants. I'll put it this way. The Lions are gray. I think they got better than people think, but I think I think that would be a fun game to watch, actually. Who's their quarterback again? That doesn't change. You got Mariota, maybe. We don't but know. Listen, but, but, but we all know what Jared Goff does in the fourth quarter. He blows games. You're assuming it'll be that club. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I love the receiving core, though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Man, look at that. Um, anyways, listen, man. Awesome to have you. Awesome to see you. I wanted to make a joke about Trey Young being jealous about uh, that receiver core and all that height and all the stuff they do, but I thought that would be a bridge too far. You talking about how tall they are, you know? Listen, he got he got Dejounte Murray. He's not complaining about life at all right now. That's fair. That's He's fair. loving it. Yeah, man. Listen, great to have you in. We'll definitely have you in a time for a longer form. The preview is these quick hits, man. That's the life here right now. But listen. Thank you for coming in. Glad you're healthy again. Tell the people where you can be found, my guy. Listen, uh, Sports Insight 757 with Jay Lee, Saturday mornings, 9 to 11, Sports Radio 850 AM, 96.5 FM in the Norfolk Hampton Roads area. Otherwise, download Sports Radio 850 app on every single app store you can find. You can listen to the show um, and my work on the three-point conversion with my guy to the right. Um, and, you know, Kyle, for those of the rest, Kyle and I are family. Regardless whether we haven't done Beyond the Buzzer in a while, when my daughter came here today, she was like, where is Uncle Kyle? Is Uncle, are you doing a show Uncle Kyle's like? So that should tell you the relationship Kyle and I have. So that's how I mean, it's always been. I knew I was invited to the barbecue, but I didn't know I was getting the unk treatment. That's what's Listen, up. You're getting the apple unk treatment. <laughs> <laughs> there it is, man. Hey, obviously... I give you a hug, but unfortunately, my arms do not reach all the way there. And by the way, folks, you did hear right. The Falcons fan is doing radio in Panther Country. It's actually Commander's Country. We're the, we're the flagship station of the Commanders. Oh, you mean the Red Tails? No, no, the Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I try to keep the jokes of the show to a bit about the Commanders because they do they do keep the lights on. <laughs> the Red Tails do? Okay. Well, yeah. Yeah, there's Snyder does. What can I say? That's a. Now that's a fact. Anyways, honor, joy, and privilege, Danny Thompson. There will be a next time, and until that time, take care, bud. Yes, sir. And that'll do it for the NFC South preview. Apparently, I am a pessimistic a hole compared to our experts, 
But that is what it is. And hey, listen, the final week leaning into the season because the season doesn't start until the Thursday after Labor Day, I reserve the right to change my predictions until that last Tuesday before the season starts. So who knows? I am the student of the game. Maybe I learned something from some of these guys tonight, whether it be Antoine Staley, Damian Adams, or Danny Thompson. Stranger things have happened. For all my huge ego, I'm capable of learning things and adjusting my approach. So long as I'm not doing it for Big Jim or EJ. Anyways, listen, folks, it was great being here uh, tonight doing the show for you to, uh, for the NFC South preview. Of course, I am Kyle Nash, the student of the game. You can find me on Twitter at the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the same, the SOTG. Find me on Instagram as the, yeah, as the SOTG on Facebook as a student of the game and also on Spotify, Apple, your podcasting joy, Overcast, whatever it's called. I forget the whole Amazon thing, whatever, blah, blah, podcast platforms. You'll find me. Also check out my work with the three-point conversion. Check out my work with the black and gold banneret covering all things UCF sports courts. I particularly specialize in football and basketball for them um we just had our yearly awards the bannies so if you're a ucf fan check that out and of course my work with a7 being sports and my friend demosthenes euclid and hilarity by default so great times all the way around thank you so much for coming in this evening but until next time everyone class dismissed